they say you learn a lot from mistakes and yeah. i agree <laughs> Yeah, because uh, you learn quicker, but it is something. Yeah, no, we don't. We're no, we're thick-headed, man. <laughs> yeah, Outdoor service doing... people are thick-headed as hell. Oh, yeah. Outdoor Very service quiet. owners rise and shine. It's time to start fueling your success one adventure at a time. Welcome to Outdoors the Entrepreneur, brought to you by House Call Pro where business owners explore ways to take charge and level up. We are your hosts. I am Kevin Fontaine, and this is me amigo, Patrick Harders. Join us on this journey every Wednesday. Like, comment, and subscribe on our YouTube channel, and listen to wherever you get your podcast. And follow us on our social media platforms at Outdoorsy Boss. Patrick, our first episode, what is going on? This is exciting. This is a fun topic. I love, love discussing this. Um, early on in my, when I was young, 19 years old, I heard a guy give me a, some advice and it was basically like, I've been rich, I've been poor, money doesn't buy happiness, but it does solve a lot of problems. So, you know, yeah. we've been in business a long time yeah. and we've Too had long. years that, that make money and some years that don't. So, you know, we exactly. want to really focus on how do we actually make money doing what we're doing? Exactly. We're so excited to be sharing our knowledge. We also want to learn from you guys listening and commenting. And this, what's exciting is being able to make money. I had a friend talk about this under the radar. Uh, a lot of times you think you do the college route, you, you know, go to work for a large corporation and we've done it different. And, right. you know, it's nice to be able to show up to the bank and boots and dirty jeans and everything like that. And when you have you know, some money in your account and they treat you totally differently at the bank when you actually have money in the account. And so they do, you know, we want to make sure that we're, <laughs> we're building, building our wealth because a lot of us just get into this because we love being outdoors. We love, you know, the craft that we have, what we do, but you know, how do you go about actually making certain you're making money and not play on that okay. Russian roulette at the end of the year? I want to look at structure of like how we're pricing our jobs out and how are we coming up with pricing? And I think so often right. we just pick a number or we look at what our competitors are doing and we say, Hey, we're somewhere in that range, but right. we wouldn't trust our competitors to most life decisions. And you got to think like what's more right. important in your business than the price you're charging and the profitability of your company. Exactly. Yeah. And you don't want to tie your, your business onto some competitors business. Cause you guys are a and B night and day. Totally different. And if you're not charging the right enough, right amount, then you're, you know, it's hurting yourself, it's hurting your family. And, you know, one of the things we don't think about is the growth of our employees. You know, someone's okay. going to break their back for us. You know, if they have no opportunity to grow and move up in the company, then it's very limiting. So, you know, it's right. a duty that we have is to be financially secure in our business. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, you've done yeah, some great things good. in your business, Kevin. Yeah, I mean... You know, first starting out, we have no idea what to charge, right? So we just listen to what other people are charging and say, oh, yeah, I'll do it for that. Or we, we you know, race to the bottom with yeah. clients that say, I got someone that does it for 45 each. Can you do it for that? And you just say, yeah, just to get the business. So over time, I've been able to uh, ad adapt consultants and pay for all kinds of programs over the years and we've started to implement more and more processes procedures structure etc and that's really helped short up that question that i've always had about this that or the other mm -hmm. in regards to anything you know as a business owner faces you know what to charge is a big one each each time 
Yeah, I remember I came out of the franchise world and you'd think there's 83 franchises that I was with. And I asked a simple question, like, how much should we be charging for our systems? Uh-huh. And they came back and they're like, we have no idea. And I was like, you Oof. would think with that kind of background and that many people and high level, uh, right. very educated people that there'd be some kind of answer, but it was all over right. the place. And so there Golly. wasn't a great answer. What did you do there? Did you just wing it or did you adapt a little bit? Yeah, lost money. Yeah. Yeah. You'd that go too. to the end of the year and you'd, you'd turn on all your paperwork to your account and you go like, how'd I do this year? Which is just mind baffling to go like, oh, how did I a, do this year? And that was a franchisee model? That was a franchisee model. So okay. it was, they were concerned about sales. It was like, hey, like you yeah. got trophies for sales, but nobody got a trophy for like, hey, what did you actually put in your bank account? Exactly. You know, here's some pamphlets here's some door hangers here's what to say in front of a customer and, and here's some product egos. you know we have yeah. egos that we want to get every job you know we want to be the best at what we do and like probably the number one thing you look at is your overall sales but if you're losing money on every job or you're losing money yeah. on some big jobs that that just crushes you so yeah exactly that's what I want to avoid get those pitfalls out of the way and learn from the mistakes you and yeah. I have done over the years no doubt and it's valuable lessons learned. Um, they say you learn a lot from mistakes, and I oh. agree. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you learn quicker, but it is something. Yeah, no, we I don't. We're no, we're thick-headed, gotta... <laughs> man. Outdoor <laughs> service people are thick-headed as hell. Oh yeah, I'm going we're to make stupid. this work. Yeah, yeah. and keep I'm still banging, learning. banging, banging. I haven't arrived on all points that I'd like to. I keep going like, oh, that was a mistake last year, and there's always things that come up that you're not expecting. So, yeah. yeah. Always Let me work. go over, um, sounds good. Let me go over a slide I have mm -hmm. um, where someone can look and, and kind of develop their own pricing, okay? This is just a scenario we'll run here. And uh, for one, let's capture overhead, right? So you got indirect overhead, indirect overhead. Mm -hmm. Here's some of the direct indirect overhead that's pretty common in small businesses. Rent, utilities, tax uh, on the building, insurance on that building, or its contents. You know, this is all over the board. Maybe you're starting out. Um, you may not have any warehouse or shop. You're just running out of a garage. That's yeah. totally fine because this is a can be a big fat zero, which is great for your books and great for your profit. It is, um, but I I do think you have to like build that into your future cost too. Cause a okay. lot of times we're short sighted and we go like, Hey, I have no rent cause I'm using my home. I have my garage. I have a shed in back, yep. you know, all those expenses. But as you start growing, those start coming <laughs> in. And yeah. I've had those years where yeah. you shock all your customers. Oh yeah. Yeah. So as you go along as a small, you know, operator, then you start adding employees, et cetera. You're going to want to put in costs for a building or a, some kind yeah. of office warehouse. Yeah, or if you're real unit. smart, you plan it. Yeah, you plan it out yeah, ahead of time to go, out. I'm going to have these costs, so I might as well make a little bit more money now so I could fund that stuff in the future and, and pay for it, not stress out that you need to you know move out of the house or get an office or do those things and not be prepared for it. Yeah, or they come by late on a Sunday. Hey, uh, I need to pick up my check. Yeah, oh, Friday God. night at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, that's no bueno. No. But, um, yeah, definitely build in costs for future growth, and that's another spreadsheet you guys can develop um, to plan and, and do future growth. Next is fuel. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. We all use fuel. Uh, it's a monster. Yeah. Um, 
especially my landscaping company, um, devour fuel. God, the trucks and all that equipment, the mowers, and talk about a fuel fuel bill. I tried getting away from that. I put my my designers and electric cars going like, oh, I'm going to save so much money. But uh-huh. they'd end up going to these charging stations for 50 bucks, 60 bucks, and two hours to charge, hour to charge. Wow. And I was like, well, that it, we got rid of that in one year. <laughs> so um, so electric, it's is it fairly expensive or it just takes a lot of time? It can be charge. both. Yeah, like you don't think of it. I think of it as being free because, like, you know, we bought these little Leafs and they're like, hey, it's free charging anytime you come here. But when they're out an hour away and there's one charging station and it's 50 bucks right. to charge for an hour, Wow. There goes my, my fuel savings disappeared quickly. Big time. And yeah. so you're going to have uh, some tools in your overhead, um, you know, tool replenishment, yeah. breaking tools, et cetera, shovels, it doesn't matter. Um, you may have an equipment loan. Say you get a new mower or a new power washer or a, a wire digger for a lighting company, a um, anything, a lift. Um, so many things you may have a loan for there. That's in your indirect overhead because you can't tie this to a specific job. That's yeah. what indirect means. Um, vehicle loan, uh, it's insurance, it's taxes each year. Uh, if you got the maintenance on that, um, any repairs, you've got in company insurance, your general liability. Um, and if you're over in my state in North Carolina, if you're over three employees, you have to get workman's comp. Mm-hmm. But if you're under, you don't have to have it. So... That's a cost you may want to incorporate. Yeah. Um, health insurance, that's another optional uh, based on your scenario. You may want to put in your own health insurance and deduct it that way for a write-off, owning your own business, you know, run that through your company. Yeah, and you uh, get away with it a lot of times if you have like 25-year-olds that don't care about it. But the minute oh, yeah. you start getting into like guys that are getting a little bit older and have families, like they want yeah. insurance. Yeah, young 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 guys, they don't care. Yeah. Um, banking fees, you know, credit card fees, et cetera. You gotta have that in your overhead. That's a um, big one that sneaks up on you. Yeah, you know. Um, offline marketing, that's your yard signs, your brochures, your door hangers, your whatever gifts you're giving out for uh referral rewards, et cetera. So that's all that kind of marketing. Um online marketing Cost, uh, websites, uh, domain, emails, um, Google ads, Facebook, mm-hmm. wherever you're trying to market, um, direct mail, different things. Software, uh, building uh, up your automations is important in our business. So yeah. routing software, QuickBooks, uh, what's some, some other billing? The CRMs platforms? can be you know, okay. we've gone all over the place on CRMs and, you know, some yeah. are very inexpensive and very good. And some are really, really expensive. And you get into Salesforce and you're talking oh, wow. $40,000, $50,000 a year on it. And no doubt. there's some, some that they get up there in costs. That's one thing, you know, a lot of times you talk to people and you say like, what's your CRM? And their biggest response you hear back is QuickBooks. You're like, that's yeah. not your CRM. That's your accounting package that right. shows you what a customer bought, but you're not tracking and communicating anything in the future. Exactly. Um, I know they're rolling out more and more things with uh, QuickBooks. They have like a contractor edition that has a bunch of yeah. add-ons. But I like uh, more streamlined CRMs because yeah. they're just so much better at it. Um, so you're going to have a lot of costs 
not now, not when you're young and getting started out, but as you grow and start scaling, you're definitely going to want to incorporate more and more software because it just makes life so much easier. Um, well, I think the thing that we don't consider on that is like, you know, the value in the business, if we go to sell it one day, is going to be that customer base. And if you don't oh, have yeah. a good database and it's, yeah. you know, hand notes or your memory, then there's nothing to sell. Yeah. And I like sending a monthly newsletter. That's an yeah. easy, inexpensive thing. Um, you know, so that's an option too for people looking. So next is uh, future buys. Pat, you uh, discussed this a little bit. Um, any future trucks, equipment, shop, um, mm -hmm. start saving now for the future. Yeah. So just like we an IRA. Hit, yeah, we got hit one year. Sorry to interrupt. We got hit one year and it was like, four trucks all needed to be replaced at the same time. And I was like, it killed Oof. me. Like hadn't planned for it. Didn't think about it. I was just like, I'm going to run these trucks into the ground. Never yeah. understood why some guys like re some companies replace their trucks at three years or 60,000 miles and get exactly. new ones. I'm like, what a waste of money. But then, yeah. you know, new transmissions and everything else add up too. Yeah. Downtime. And, the, and the good thing about that is you can predict when to sell a truck mm -hmm. or a piece of equipment. They all have a lifespan that you can look up online. And we used to like to sell our stuff before it died. So it, it still had some value. So we would sell our trucks and whatnot after about eight to 10 years yeah. and our equipment when it still had some life in it. So, um, all right. So uniforms, PPE, that personal protective equipment, safety supply, office supplies, you know, printers, paper, yada, yada. And then you got, of course, anybody under payroll of indirect, you know, that's uh, going to be in their office staff, sales, um, yep. managers, owners. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're ultimately billing from, you know, billable man hours and someone's answering the phone. They're not actually contributing any money. They're not, they're not billable right. at all. So you got to, right. you know, and eventually, you know, we get to the point that we're no longer you know, a lot of times doing billable man hours because we, we're managing everything. So that's right. We become a, a drawdown from the company. But. That's right. That overhead goes up. Yep. All right. Now we're going to go look at uh, direct overhead. So direct overhead is any production payroll, boots on the ground. Um, a lot of times owners, uh, early in your stage, you're definitely going to be working out in the field. So you're going to be yep. in direct overhead. Um, Dragging your kids and wife out. Yeah, <laughs> helping you lift things. Yeah. Um, foreman, you got crewmen, technicians, etc. Other payroll that's tied to that client or to that job uh, would be subcontractor, specific manager that has to just do that job or that client. Sales commissions can be in direct overhead as yeah. well as bonuses and pay for performance. You got to add labor burden. The mm -hmm. glorious labor burden. So that's your FICA food asuda, which in my area is about 16.65% of the base payroll charges. And then workman's comp, if that's something you have to implement in my area and my profession, uh, which is landscaping and outdoor lighting companies, we're running about a 15% average on our workman's comp. And your average will go up and down based on claims. So if you have a really good uh, claim record where you only get a couple bumps and bruises each year, it's going to stay nice and low. But if that 
you start getting people going to the hospital, et cetera, that thing's going to jump. Skyrocket. And that is no bueno. Uh, I was actually just talking to a guy today and his employees, he tends to get a little cheaper on what he's paying his labored employees, but his insurance went up $180,000 this year on his auto insurance. On so the auto. Like, yeah, he's like, I had no idea, but they got in a ton of accidents, like little bumps and dings. Oh, and yeah. That'll kill you. The mod. Yep. And then, of course, materials. Everybody uses those in your job, so that's a direct overhead cost. And then you've got equipment rentals mm -hmm. that can be tied to a job, specific to a job. And then you got to take a dump, Pat. We all got to take a dump, take a pee-pee. Mm -hmm. So any porta potty that's on a job site specific, or a temporary office unit or storage unit. Yeah. All right, so let's run a scenario. Let's say um, we got one owner that works in the field, and he's got two employees. So he is under the workman's comp radar in this case. Total overhead costs are, this is indirect and direct, is $258,000. A desired profit margin. You want to put in there for your company to make. In this case, we're using 15%. You know, that can vary depending on how much you're trying to compete. Yeah. And in this case, 15% equals uh, 38700 because you're taking 15% of your total overhead. And now we're dealing with 296700 Your billable hours available. So this is where, depending on where you live and your climate and, of course, your trade, how many days per year can you actually work and what does yeah. that mean in terms of uh hours yeah you don't get the 2080 that you kind of think at the beginning of like oh, i'll get 40 hours a week that's 2080 then you start getting rainy days and days that the guys finish early and things like that so yeah that drops quite a bit yeah because 52 weeks times 40 hours a week that's 2080 so we did a realistic um scenario being outside yeah. and we get you know, Virginia, where Pat lives, and North Carolina, where I live, we get a good amount of rainfall each year. So you're going to have rain days. You're going to have holidays. You're going to have paid leave. There's all kinds of things that aren't going to get you that 1,800 hour, you know, the 2080. Yeah. And I, I'll admit, I've pushed that, and I've, I've lost employees. on. It's 39 degrees and raining, and we're working outside. It's always the day a guy who's like, oh, forget this. I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm sick. <laughs> yeah. My truck won't start. Yeah. I, I had a guy um, one time call. It's like, this is unsafe work conditions. I'm like, what are you going to melt? Like, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's what coats are for. Yeah. Or it's, uh, that's what. He was gone that week. Like he left. Water's for. Yeah. yeah. Stay hydrated. You know, and so you want to do this. You want to have a realistic hourly output because you don't want to put 2080 in your formulation because then you're not going to recoup your cost by only working less hours. So be um, conservative with this. So we're putting 1800 per man hours per year, three guys, that's 5,400 man hours that we can bill for. Mm -hmm. This makes an hourly rate of $55 per man hour that you need to charge. And how this gets it there is overhead plus your profit divided by the total billable hours. Yeah. Do you think you send two guys out to do a quick job that, there's an hour drive there, hour drive back, and then you, they're there for 20 minutes and you send a invoice for 95 bucks. Yeah. You just lost money. Exactly. So it's, um, 
let's get into uh, some of the varying job types. You've got one-off jobs where you just one and done. So you, you got small jobs and large jobs, reoccurring service jobs. So you create a recurring event where you're going there every week, every month, whatever the you know scale is there. Subcontracted service where you subcontract a lot of the work and then you may manage that work. Or you may choose a consult design management uh, service where you're not physically performing, but you're providing other elements to help the project. A good thing Pat just touched on, in-state minimum job pricing. So you're not stuck doing a half-hour job and only charging a half hour. So create minimum job pricing, you know, and then another one's capture opportunity cost where what's the travel involved? What's the loading involved? Do I get to have the products delivered? What's that going to take? And, you know, what kind of man hours is going to be involved with that? So always have that in your quoting for that job. And then charge more for difficult customers. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Or, yeah. So often our difficult customers are the ones that are paying the le- the least amount because they complain on everything and you end up going like, oh, I can't believe I agreed to this. So you're not happy. You know, they're never happy. No. And it's like your great customers are the ones that say like, hey, here's a check. Just come out whenever. You're happy to come out because you're getting paid good money for it. And it just changes the whole dynamic of your relationship. I went to a lighting repair mm-hmm. at a million dollar house. She picked at every thing I sent her for quotes. Oh, well, if I get it on Amazon, I can get something for a tenth of your price. And I'm yeah. like, okay, do it. And yeah. then keep going from there. Just It's a race to the bottom with some customers. So protect yourself and have some sort of uh, minimum pricing and being able to charge more if you find out, kind of get that wind that they're going to be really difficult. Or if it's a difficult job as well. You're on a hillside putting in a retaining wall. Oh, my gosh. Think of that. Yeah. I learned my lesson back in Charlotte, North Carolina in 1998. I got paid to sell light fixtures. So it was like 15 bucks a light. Whatever I sold is what I got paid. Uh-huh. I sold one at the end of the driveway on a mailbox that had to trench like two sidewalks under a driveway through horrible ground. They spent three, four hours putting that one light in. And, and I just laughed. I'm like, I got 15 bucks. That's what I was being paid for. And my boss was like, you're not getting paid. I'm, I'm not paying you anything on that job at all for selling that one, which, you know, and I look at it going like, of course, why would you not charge a lot more for that? Yeah. And we had the same things happen, and we put in a lot of verbiage in our contracts for unforeseen circumstance. Yeah. yeah. So there's some. And you never you like to have. do that. Like you never want to. Yeah. You don't want to be the guy going like, "Hey, I totally missed this on this quote," uh, and so you're going back for more money. But when there are work order changes and change orders on the job, um, you know you got to address that. But sometimes you do have to have that tough conversation. Like, this is a this is yeah. a job that wasn't bid out right. Um, some other things, you know, charging more if you're developing a niche, say you're uh, getting better and better at what you do, you're going to create a new niche to elevate yourself up from competition, which is the best thing you can ever do. Yeah. You can charge more for that. Quoting jobs in blocks of time, rounding up your jobs from three hours to a half day or a full day. If it's just under eight hours and, um, and so on. If we go to the next slide. How do we uh, further, now that you know what to charge, how can you protect that profit that's in there in your hourly wage? 
well then a good, great way to protect your profit is to standardize all your processes that are used often. Standardizing processes takes time and effort, so choose your most profitable processes and start standardizing those. That's and what stay- you excel at. Like, There's yeah. a lot of guys in this that I talk to every day, and that's one of the hardest things to do for them is to go through, like, how do I get somebody else to do something because we just learned how to do it on our own. Right. Or we worked under directly for someone. We weren't reading books and going through manuals on the standardized way. So, you oh know, man, I go, I love it. I go nuts with, it. I found a army production rate binder. Okay. It was, it was old and I don't know how I came across it. It was back in 2008, but it had every functionality you could do outside under the sun it was unbelievable and the production times involved so that got me started to like how much linear feet does it take to prune a hedge that's three foot tall to you know lighting how much how long does it take to install 10 ground lights yeah so you run scenarios and build that into your quoting all right let's see we got lump sum bids so pat you're you're going through this a little bit uh we're Customers are asking you to break down, what's your labor rate? What's yeah. your parts? Get away from that because you're going to race to the bottom if they catch you. It's not that you're hiding anything, but you want to put everything you can into one quote, a flat rate quote, a lump sum bid, because you're not going to ask them to pay more if the job goes over something you've quoted. Yeah, and it- it gets, it's a very complicated question. As you look at this, like a $50,000 employee doesn't cost $50,000 to us. So it's like, you know, how, what are you charging your labor rate? What are you charging for materials? It's like, you know, how much do I want to break everything down and, and show everyone? And, you know, I love what we were talking about earlier, just saying like, this is the price to do it. This is the price not to do it. You know, which one would you prefer? Yeah, but, you know, customers, there are customers out there that they want all the details and they, as they say, like, I want to compare apples to apples. And it's like, well, you're not. Exactly. So, and no, the binding, the another way to protect yourself, we mentioned, is putting more uh, verbiage, legal verbiage that's binding in a contract form. So people can't go back and say, hey, you only were out here six hours. I want you to reduce my invoice um, if it's a contract set up for a one price sum. Say no to low, we touched on a little bit already, but customers that pick at everything price-wise that you're due from the start, you meet them, get a sense of that and and just say no. It's just not worth it. Or people that want to do things lower than your minimums. Definitely. That contract's important. I mean, that's what's going to cover you because, you know, we just had one recently that it was, we hit an irrigation system was two inches under the ground. It's supposed to be obviously much deeper. Uh-huh. We hit it, we fixed it, but it, there's a joint down six feet from where we hit it that came loose. And he uh, lost 2,000 gallons of water or 20,000, whatever it was. And he, you know, sent us a $2,000 bill. And so it's like, you know, there's all these different things to look at, but that contract's so important to have on your yeah. on your proposal and them signing off. Like, hey, if you have irrigation, I want it marked. I want to know where it's at. And, you know, we'll do our best. We'll fix it. But, you know, we're not responsible for everything that could possibly happen. Right. There's some what ifs that are up in the air. Now, comprehensive sales process is definitely going to help you protect your profit. Building in your value and having a complete sales process 
filtering out leads so you can really get to your ideal client, right? So just as you're perfecting your craft, you're also going to protect or create your own ideal customer yeah. that you want to sell to. The ones that don't pick in, in five and dime you on everything, the ones that value your service, know why you're in business, why you do what you do, that you love, you have that passion. And they want the best of the best on their property. And those are your clients. Yeah. Right. I think it's a good exercise to go like, who is not my customer? And to have yeah. that set up right, right. Just so you get start seeing red flags. Like, you know, when someone yeah. starts talking, like I'm shopping online, uh, yeah. you know, I could pick up some labor guys, you know, my guys that I pick up at Home Depot or, you know, 25 bucks an hour. What are you charging me? Like, you're not exactly. my customer. Like, no, is create a common service price listing or a job listing. Hey, a typical 4,000 square foot of sod is X amount or a typical 10 light system that looks like your house for the front. Uh, we last did for X or lawn care apps. You can do a price list that's pretty much across the board based on a certain scenario mm -hmm. that you can provide them over the phone or even put on your website. And that helps funnel down the clients that aren't a part of your plan. Yeah. And it gives them uh, a sense of what to expect as far as your pricing, even before you get on site. So how are you adjusting for travel time? Cause that's, we find that, you know, if a job is two minutes from the office, yeah. it shouldn't be the same price as if it's an hour and a half from the office. No, no. Yeah. So you could have your price list there plus travel. Yeah based on person area. So yeah. just to avoid that. And then also I filter out a lot of my tire kickers with charging up front to come out to your place mm -hmm. to look and see whether that's landscaping, hardscaping, irrigation work, et cetera, lawn care, even outdoor lighting. You charge we for designs. Definitely charge for designs. designs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's another chargeable, but charging and for just that initial consult, you know, Hey, we can talk over the phone, no charge to you. I'll find out what you need, what you got going, maybe what your budget is, what our pricing generally ranges from uh, to get into their perspective. And then all the time, you really need to go measure. I don't like to use any of those online measuring tools. I yeah. just, it freaks me out because you can't see bushes under a tree. You can't see things that we have to account for. And I want to hand measure everything I do to be very precise. Plus you want to show the customer everything, drop off your pamphlets, let them get to know you and start building that relationship. We charge for that. We do give that charge back if they hire us for the work. Okay. I've seen people do it both ways. So it's, it's yeah. an interesting thing, but when you're new and nervous and you know, right. you're running out to every job, you know, the, the thing to always keep in mind is your customer can sense it. They sense fear. They, they sense all of that. Like bees and dogs do same kind of thing. It's, you know, if you're running out there as quick as possible and you're panting and can't wait to get the job because yeah. you sense it. it, they yeah. know it, they yeah. got you under their thumb. Yep. So you, that process, no matter if you could go out there in 10 minutes, they need to follow the same process as a, a fortune 500 company. Yeah. You want to start building value with a process and they feel a part of that and yeah. they sense it. Increase your profitability. Now that you're protecting it, all right, let's look at ways to potentially increase your profit. Well, you've saved, uh, scored a job, no matter if it's a one-off or recurring. Well, you can start 
having a la carte add-ons. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're there doing lighting. Hey, how about Mrs. Smith, some outdoor audio? Or, hey, Mrs. Smith, I saw the back gazebo could use some lights. We only priced the front. Man, that gazebo would look awesome. We could do it. How do you control yeah. the lights? You know, that's an easy one, like from the lighting standpoint. But, yeah, you know, landscaping, there's so many things you could add on. Like if you're there to, you know, if you're putting mulch down to put pre-emergent down and to get into some of the other things that are going to be beneficial to them. Yeah, for sure. So add-ons is a huge way. You've already got the client. You've already won the bid. Now let's start farming and increasing your profitability. So maintenance contract is another great way to add value to your bottom line because you've already spent the money to get that customer in your door. Now sell something that's going to be reoccurring to them. Yeah. And you don't have to sell it. Yeah. You're there every week, every month, whatever that schedule is. And now you never sell them again, um, only with updates and add-ons. Yeah. When we go to sell our businesses at reoccurring revenue, that can have multiple, uh, add multiples to your final sale prices. You know, how much reoccurring revenue do you have? Nice. All right. SOPs. Hmm. You down with SOP? Yeah, you know me. Get some SOPs in your house. These are standard operating procedures. So this is where you take your best service and you standardize it, make it a process. This is going to increase efficiencies as you, your team keeps doing more and more of this same function. They're going to get better and better. And so that one's huge. Time trial. As you, your team, you or your team goes out and does these jobs, mowing, power washing, throwing up a wall, throwing in lights, Mm-hmm. time trial every facet that you can and then you're going to do that in multiple stages say it's a small job say the next one's medium a large you're going to do an average and then now you're going to have really great data to start building um, your quoting sheets and it mentions um, bonuses there it's so often we don't think of that for employees like you know yeah. how we pay them they're ultimately going to look to how much get as much money as possible while they're working so if it's like if they get the most money by working slow, they're going to work slow. If they can get overtime, they're going to get overtime. And Per hour. Yep. Three years ago, four years ago, we had 11 guys, and we paid so much in overtime with 11 guys. And the next year, we had five guys on a bonus structure, and they did more work than the 11 guys, and we had zero overtime. Yep. So it's amazing when the, when the incentives are put in there and they're done wisely, like what you can do in your business and what other people will do for you. Yeah, pay for performance instead of just a flat wage yeah. per hour. Yeah, that's huge. But um, you do you can hurt yourself on both sides of this fence. Yep. One side's pay for wage only, so they just get hourly. So they may, may if they're not managed well or trained well, or if your culture's not there, you're gonna get the time clock milked, and they want overtime. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of the fence is you're paying them for performance. So they're going to be more efficient, come in under budget, get paid more with a bonus, et cetera. But will they cut corners? So that's the other oh, yeah. issue that you need to manage as well. Or you have things that come up where it's like, hey, this customer has a service call far away. Can you go knock that out? And they know there's there's really no bonus in it because it's you know you can't charge that customer 600 bucks to go out and change out a lamp or whatever. Yeah. So then they don't really want to do it. And then, then you get into all sorts of problems because they want the bonuses. So 
No doubt. You know, it's it's always trying to to come up with a system that that works well and you know incentivizes the right behavior and not the wrong ones. And next is like technology, you know, software automations that can significantly increase profitability for you. Better equipment, improve your team with trainings and uh, procedure, and then incentivizing your team, like Pat said, with goals or uh, production, anything there. So that's just a nice little overview of, you know, what what to charge and and how much profit you need. Two points on that. The SOP, like when you're looking at the SOPs, a lot of times like guys don't do that because you're doing everything yourself. Like when you're out in the field cutting grass, like you're not writing out your SOP because, you know, you're the one doing it. So you always do it the same way, but it changes everything once you have other people doing it. And the, you know, a lot of times you just assume they're going to do it the way you do, but business owners always do it differently than always someone that they're paying to do it. Yeah, we do it as an owner. We, we tend to do things more meticulously and perfect and our name is on the wall. So we want to. You know, we're being identified with it where they're, they may not be. Yeah. And that's where a standard operating procedure can help you bridge that gap. When you're performing an SOP, and we'll get into that as we go mm-hmm. through more and more of our master class and all that, but that's a great way to add what to do every step of the way so they don't miss things, you know. Yeah. Or with um, tech automation, like House Call Pro, we use that. Um, it has this really cool feature where you put in a checklist for your tech. Yep. So they're on a job site, boom, bullet points and checklists. They have to check off every step before that job can be completed and charged for. So and sign off on it. Cause if you're going back and you're like, why'd you check off that? You check the time you check this, like you signed off and everything. You didn't do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the customer says, Hey, my lights aren't working or whatever. Yeah. Well, and I think that gets into like later, we're going to be talking about company culture and the importance of that, but that's, you know, having employees that have that ownership mindset and how do you bring people all in together because it gets really expensive having crappy employees. Big time. All right. Next, we got word of the day. What you got, Big Pat? I was thinking, what is a four-letter word that okay. you want to have more of in your business in 2024? Money. Oh, crap. That's not four letters. Beer. Can I have beer? Beer is it? Yeah. There's a lot of Friday afternoons. We've had, had the guys all come meet us and you know have a beer at the end of the day. That's a nice uh, culture building oh, yeah. technique. Yeah. All right. So let's go with cash. Johnny Cash, Moulin Rouge, Moulin Rouge, and Robert De Niro. Oh, Good three one. synonyms. Yeah. But yeah, cash. Cash is king. My dad always said cash is king. You got to have money in the bank. Yep. And you got to protect it because what if next month isn't as good as this month mm-hmm. and you don't have any cash in your bank? Shit's going to hit the fan, man. You got to plan. Well, you sell different too. Like I was told a long time ago, make sure that always act like you have a million dollars in your bank account when you're meeting with a customer. Like, hey, I'm not going to retire getting this job. I'm not going to go broke if I get this job. I'd love to do this because I like what I do and this is going to be a fun project. Right. You know, that attitude conveys to the customer. So you're not in this, uh, you know, bidding war and everything else. It's, you know, I could walk away from the job at any time. Now, if you're, if you need to make payroll and you need to get that job, like that customer's got you. And that one comes Man. back to bite you where it's like, Oh, I wish I never sold that. Cause 
And I tell you, and we're going to cover this further as we keep going uh, each week, but having a business plan in place where you can get a line of credit from your bank or if you have awesome parents, et cetera, or relatives. You, you <laughs> Married need, well. Yeah. yeah. You need to have some kind of uh, piggy bank in the background yeah. because, like Pat said, times are not always great, and we can't predict the future. Nobody can. So always have a nest egg, and if that's cash, protect your cash and keep a minimum amount always there like a, a pool of water. Yeah. Don't let it evaporate ever. And I think, you know, a lot of times as business owners, we become the worst one about this. You know, it's like, I'm working my ass off. I think I deserve a $130,000 truck. And, you know, it's oh. like, I'm going to go out to lunch all the time. You just, all of a sudden, you're just like putting all this out there. And Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, we're going to get to that too. Uh, you can be your own worst enemy. Oh, usually that, we are. We are well, almost always the weak point in our business. I've, I've been there, done that. I've been my worst enemy. Yeah. Good stuff. And like we said, we're so excited, guys. First episode, we can't wait to share information and gather information from you guys and build up this community of outdoorsy entrepreneurs. So that wraps up this episode. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, Outdoorsy Entrepreneur, and hit those notifications because we're going to be here every Wednesday. Listen to wherever you get your podcast and follow us on our social media platforms at Outdoorsy Boss. Our online masterclass will launch this summer and sign up for more details at OutdoorsTheEntrepreneur.com. We are going to choose some winners to have a free course offering this spring. So check out that as we announce those entries, how you enter uh, in future episodes. Level up your professionalism and reduce stress, baby, and workload for your business. No more paperwork. Check out House Call Pro. And Outdoorsy viewers receive a special introductory pricing by using our link down in the description below. Big thanks to all Outdoorsy supporters as we fuel our success one adventure at a time. And just as Aerosmith wanted, you don't want to miss a thing. So refuel with us on our podcast every Wednesday. See you guys. See ya.